You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for logging into Thank You for Your Servers. I am Thaddeus Preston, aka Nick Way, and joining me as always is my man, my brother from another mother, Gary Guthrie. How are we doing this week, man? I'm doing good. I just loaded up on some bacon and eggs and um, a couple cups of coffee, so locked and loaded, ready to go. Jealous. All right. Well, <laughs> this is our weekly, relatively weekly uh, rants about the tech topics of the week, typically from a libertarian perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again Network of Podcasts. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get let's get to it. So, the AI, the bloom is off of the AI rose. So, let me give you kind of some quick hits since before we get into the subject here, Gary. So, DeepMind mm-hmm. is losing money for Alphabet, right? And, and to, the, to, the, to the tune of $572 million last year. Uh, AI scams for venture wow. funding are beginning to emerge. There are actually a couple of stories about some venture, uh, about some venture-backed funds or some companies that simply they aren't necessarily not using AI or machine learning, but it's not necessarily uh, essential to their business and how they deliver their product or service. So that's those stories are starting to surface. Uh, And AI is one of many tools. it, It would appear that social media and tech companies use to police and train their models. Meaning, it isn't necessarily AI that's looking over texts or chat or threads or videos or or these other things that are, I guess, Alexa transcription, Google Assistant stuff. There actually are human beings listening to anonymized data sets of your voice. So essentially, yes... They're listening and analyzing your recordings when you talk to Alexa, when you talk to a Google Assistant, when you use Facebook's uh, Messenger, even, uh, you know, which is supposed to be semi-private, when you do voice communications and voice audio trend, uh, when you send voice messages and stuff like that. So now a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff, though, was opt in, wasn't it? I mean, um, almost all in the news. Almost all of it is opt in. It's people not reading the terms of service. Um, the fact that that, that that is a possibility. But I think what the a, also the AI machine learning hype angle of this is, yes, it is hype. They're right. They're not doing this strictly algorithmically using these what we call AI machine learning models. Actually, they are supplementing these algorithms with good old-fashioned, human intervention via data annotation 
All right, I think we've learned this from what Facebook has done over the past couple of years yeah. in hiring massive amounts of people to comb through the social network to find hate speech and terrorist stuff or videos where, you know, someone's shooting up a, a mosque on the other side of the world and you need to flag that video immediately because the algorithm won't catch it right away, right? Particularly live. Right. There is, I, I was listening to a podcast the other day about how difficult it is to do anything with live video. Um, uh, it's, it's right now, um, for the most part, computationally, even for the big, big guys, it's damn near impossible. And so like- Well, and at that point it's reactive, right? I mean, right. it's already out there. You're right, that's the thing. Um, particularly if we were to get into the physics of how information travels and how things, how certain things are cached via CDNs and, you know, it's, it's not, it's it's not a um, it's not a non-trivial thing to do. So the third little secret about these tech companies is that they utilize AI and ML algorithms to do the data reduction. But uh, the fact that it, it's completely automated and algorithmic, and that they're promising because Mark Zuckerberg got up in front of Congress to say we hope to develop algorithms to help with hate speech. Ha <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That capability might be a bit overblown. And and so that is one of many kind of stories I kind of saw where I, I kind of see like the AI bloom is coming off the rose, uh, so to speak. Right. Right. Or the blooms coming off the AI rose, so to speak. Um, one, OK, so the, the first one I, I, I kind of want to go over to is, is like in order to train these machine learning models and these kind of these AI algorithms, stuff like that, you need training data. As it stands, there is no scalable method based on the amount of data we produce, the amount of video we produce, the amount of text we produce. We produce more data in the form of text, voice, video, now and daily than any other time in human history. This very podcast is me and Gary producing content that yep. will inevitably need to be mined um, for you know our voice, you know, voice-wise, right? Um, we add metadata to this so it's easier to find or it's easier to kind of get through it and, you know, big up to our producer here to that kind of puts it all together. But that's, that still requires like human beings to like listen and annotate so that eventually you will be able to take the human annotation out of the loop. But there's no, there's, there's not, it's not that there's not a way to automate the annotation of data. It's just that it's hard for computers to do it as is. So they need humans to annotate this data so that when it is fed to a model, you know, it's an iterative process. You need less well, human I, intervention. When you, when you think about it too, I mean, humans are dirty. Humans are not perfect. And in that imperfection, we find perfection in that we can understand each other, right? And we can deal with each other. We're trying to get a machine to sterilize again, and we, you know, we talk about sterilization of this stuff a lot. Constantly, you can't, you can't do it. As soon as you try to, you know, some human's going to come and screw it up. But it makes sense from a human standpoint. You know, you listen to someone talk, and you go, oh, "Okay, yeah, I get what they're saying." And the machine's going, "Well, duh, I don't know what to do with this." Right. You know, which is why you and need companies to do this stuff. Yeah, you, you you have to have human intervention. You know, it, music is a, is the same way. You know, I, I 
not to get too off track, but you can't tune a piano. It, it doesn't work because mathematically you can't tune the strings to be perfectly where they need to be within the context of the piece that you're playing. In fact, a lot of times because the the way the human ear works and the way that this all, you know, kind of comes together, musicians will purposely detune something from a mathematically perfect tuning to one that better matches a human ear. And I think this is kind of the same concept in this AI stuff where, okay, yeah, yeah, you can promise that you're going to develop something that's sanitized and eliminates human interaction with it, but it ain't never going to work. No, and, and nor should we attempt to do that at all times, right? Which is why going forward, you're always going to need to actually, uh, to actually kind of try to categorize those nuances, those things that, because yeah, you can, a computer will do things, a computer will do exactly what you tell it to do, right? Yep. Uh, there, there's very little in its emergent behaviors. There's sometimes, there's some unexpected things, but if you kind of back, propagate through it to use some deep learning, uh, deep neural network terms, you can actually kind of back it up and be like, okay, well, I see why it did it now, um, even if it was an right. unpredictable result. Um, but yeah, right. you're always going to, you know, just like you're always going to need the musician with the ear with 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 the ear and the human intelligence and, and consciousness and, 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 and imaginativeness, right? Um, you're, yeah. you're always going to need these, these companies. So I think... Companies like a uh, Cloud Factory, iMerit, uh, I think uh, Samosource and stuff are just these. They provide data for these AI companies, machine learning companies, companies that are just doing just straight up automation. Um, and you know now now they're starting to ask the question, or the, the press is the tech press in particular is like, wait a minute, well who are these people and you know, who are annotating this data and what, what do these companies pay these people and stuff like that. I'm not really concerned about necessarily what they're being paid or, I mean, not to sound cold-blooded or even if they're being cared for. The fact of the matter is, like, you know, how are they annotating this data, right? Um, right. We're, we're always concerned about this bias, right, this algorithmic bias, right? But, I mean, yeah, part of algorithmic bias is the nature of, of how one extracts, transforms the data. In this instance, these companies are asking this hidden labor pool to annotate this data. How are they annotating this data? Right? So, I mean, and I who's reviewing it too? And, and, and who's reviewing it, right? Like, you know, once, because a human being, one human being annotating the same clip of data is going to be they're going to interpret it. There's a, a human interpretation to be had there, right? Yeah, right. I, and, and, so, I, and I don't know how their process works. I don't, I'm not curious. I just really started, as I kind of went down this machine learning AI rabbit hole, really started looking into the, to once I understood the promise of what the technology can accomplish in the future. And then I started looking, as, as, as an engineer's mind does, well, how the hell is this done? And... What are the what are the downsides to this? And that's what you're mentioning, right? Like, well, the human annotation is required, right? But how is it being annotated, right? Like, who's and then after it's been annotated and delivered as an end product, who's reviewing it? Yeah, and how uh, does how, how does that person or team or machine know that they're interpreting it correctly? Yeah, 
No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, this, it, it's it's kind of it's it's one of these things where now we're starting to ask these questions, just like we're starting to ask the questions uh, as of late about how these tech companies are using algorithms to do you know to to purify the world of bad thought or wrong think. We we need to start asking. We should probably start asking the question, and and a lot in the tech press and a lot of actually more academics are actually starting to ask a lot more ethical questions um, about like, well, well, what is this stuff doing, right? And so, you know, what is this stuff doing? And 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 like, well, how is it doing it? And I think right. when I'm getting from a lot of these stories where the kind of the blooms coming off the roses, a lot of these startups and a lot of these guys I, aren't really using AI. Um, and And like the hype, I think, got ahead of the technological progress that has been made. We made huge technological progress in the last five years. I mean, if you, if, if I could, if I were to explain to you, like the papers, I'm going back and I'm looking at papers written in 2010, 2012 and stuff like that. Um, and, and like papers written now about what they're able to do at these Big shops. That's that's your Amazons. That's your Google Brains. That's your DeepMind. That's your OpenAI. That's your um, God. Who's the? Oh, of course, Microsoft uh, uh, is a big player in this. IBM's a big player in this. Uber, right? I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the cool things about these new tech IPOs, and we'll discuss WeWork here shortly, is the fact that they are utilizing big data. But I don't think they're utilizing big data in the way that like a lot of the hype cycle of AI is being is portraying it as. I think they're just using statistical methods and data analytics, things that have been around for a while. They're just now bigger, right. better data sets and better methods of doing so. And part of this hype train well, is the fact that like there was a startup that was saying that it claims to automate app making, but come to find out it was actually humans. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, cause... and a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, pop up coding shops, they're, uh, all they really are doing is taking prepackaged generic software and customizing it a little bit for what you need. You know, they're, they're, there's nothing that's coding this stuff for you at a machine level. It's yeah, someone. I, yeah. I've looked at the, I've looked at the papers. And I've actually seen some of the technology. We actually talked about some of it. Um, oh, when was it? When, I, I forgot which episode it was, but we were talking. We were talking about um, uh, what's Microsoft's conference out there uh, that they have. Uh, but we were talking about some of the innovations, some of the kind of machine learning and kind of automated innovations they do for coding, for all kinds of other stuff. And yeah, like this stuff is making it out there, but they're not. Yeah, they're they're a lot of these algorithms that like kind of do um, uh, code scaffolding, basically like, all right, you know, I want to build a web app that does X, Y, Z and it'll build the scaffolding. But you still got to go in and like deal with like database interaction, uh, security, uh, you know, yeah. um, you know, front end stuff, back end stuff, um, you know, the, the, the business logic and all that other stuff. And IntelliSense across many of these, uh, well, IntelliSense is more of a Microsoft thing, but basically code completion is has gotten mm-hmm. better over the last 15 years since, you know, I was doing it in Eclipse back in the day or NetBeans. Um, but yeah. yeah, like it's, yeah, it's not there yet. 
there are experiments out there and stuff like that, but that gets into the the, the, the problem. Like as as I've started to notice over the last couple of years, is like we don't really have good natural language processing down pat yet. We have computers that can take in billions of data sets, billions of parameters, and write a pretty convincing article about a subject. But you can st- it's still in that uncanny valley where you know like that couldn't have been written by a person. And so you still right. need human editors. So if you can still barely get human – if you can still barely do that, then you're not going to write code. You're right, scaffolding code, right? And, and that, but that doesn't yeah. require any deep learning. That's just, that's just good old-fashioned automation and statistical methods. If I'm building this type of application, there are some – based on what framework I'm going to use, what technologies I'm going to use, I can predictably lay out a code project – i.e. code scaffolding, and then fill in the blanks. Um, right. And, but here's the deal. Me and you start a company and throw AI and some ML terminology in there. We might get $30 million from SoftBank too. <laughs> so and, that's what's, that's the, and that's what we're seeing, right? That is The minute there was blood in the water, i.e. money, everybody was throwing mm-hmm. AI in their pitch decks. And, yep. and now the tech press, which is funny, it's a symbiotic relationship. Let's let's take it out of the realm of tech for a second and get really political about it. They complain about how terrible and toxic Donald Trump's candidacy, candidacy was and his campaign was, but they were feeding that troll the whole time. And now of when they get the outcome they don't like, now they start to ask questions it's like, maybe we did give him too much press. The same could be said about all these tech sites that are hyping up the AI capabilities of what Facebook could do or the AI capabilities of what this can do or that can do or this company is going to use machine learning to do X or this to do Y and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just like, yeah. And then now we're coming in a year later like maybe some of these companies aren't cracked up. The, or maybe we should look at like the working conditions of the people annotating this data. Or maybe we should – wait a minute. You guys spent years hyping these companies up. Uh-huh. And suddenly, like, now you're skeptical? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, it's just like, I, I understand. Thanks, guys, for now surfacing what we, all, what we were all kind of wary of. And that is, yeah, maybe AI is a little hyped. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, when you see stuff brought to the to the forefront, you know, initially there's a lot of idealism involved with it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, especially I mean, anything you look at when it comes out, oh yeah, this is going to change the world. This is going to blah, 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 you know, insert your idealistic statement here. Yes. And it starts as you, I love the analogy of the rose blooming and basically falling off the bush, you know, it, it, it which is exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, you know, in Facebook, which is everybody's favorite villain, you know, has also confirmed that it also has external contractors listening to audio of users' private conversations, right? And to, they stopped it, what, a week ago or two yeah, weeks ago a couple or something? Weeks ago, yeah, they stopped it a couple weeks ago, um, which yeah. at, 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 at personally, I think it's probably the move if I were their PR guy because they've had, a, they've had a, law, a, law, a brutal year of bad PR. I would say, yes, let's just stop it for now. But here's the deal, right? 
in order to realize that idealized, that idealized future where AI is doing all these miraculous and amazing things. And don't, don't get me wrong, the machine learning algorithms and statistical methods being developed today are doing amazing things, particularly when it helps like workflow. Um, I mean, hell, I mean, I saw, I read, I read a uh, article in a, in a subsequent paper where they actually used a uh, technique called Word2Vec which is basically some vectorization of like word clusters and stuff to like look back 150 years worth of papers in material science and are able to predict what inevitably came out of material science research over the last 50 years. If you could then feed that algorithm forward, then one could ingest tons of papers and start really starting to look at trends and it kind of narrows down what a material scientist can st- or, or what material scientists should be studying. That is amazing. But, you know, Facebook, in a way, I, I think should have been much more forthcoming about what it was doing because it does need these audio recordings and these texts and the text to improve the functionality of their tools. I, I think mean, they're going to, they're, they're going to, I, I think you're right. They shut it off as a temporary stopgap, stop the bleeding, you know, get some good yeah. PR out there, whatever. Got it. I think what we're going to see is they're going to get more transparent about it. Um, and maybe they'll even come out and make the honest statement that none of them want to state is that you can't do it without humans. And if you want this end result of something that actually works better, you're going to have to let us do it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it. it's kind of... Yeah, people it have these. Flies in people the have these. That I, yeah, yeah, they have these out, not outdated, but these, these, these unrealistic expectations of privacy, um, and innovation, and they and yeah, there needs to be a a, a kind of give and take between, honestly, give transparency, uh, doing uh, be be transparent enough to your end user so that they understand what you're trying to do. I mean. Right. This mission, they need to get back to a lot of these companies. You need to get back to the mission of what they truly are trying to accomplish. You know, as silly as the old Google adage of don't be evil was, at least you understood, right? Or categorizing and uh, the world's information and making it accessible to all. And so, you know, crazy. They need to get back to those things. And, and they need over time to take and bring their customer base and their, their users back on with that vision. And if you would have, I think if maybe they'd have been a little bit more transparent about it. And here's the deal, right? You can be transparent about it as well and not satiate the trolls and the people who are just going to be curmudgeon or hate you because of your bigness. I mean, we've discussed that too. Um, yeah. yeah. It, but you, you, you need to bring your people. You, you got to bring your, your customers along. For the right. Well, yeah, if you, you want got, us, you know, from 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 the big player standpoint, you know, if you want us to be able to provide you with services that use your text, your speech, whatever, as an input parameter, you have to let us use your text, your speech, whatever, to learn yeah. how to do that. You know, you you can't magically just yeah. make something happen and have it say, oh, well, the machine learning AI, blah blah. It doesn't work. And right. it never, it may get close sometimes, but you're always going to get some weird output that 
is entertaining at least, but you know, potentially damaging if you start building businesses that are dependent on it. Right. Yeah. And you need to be honest with your end users, be it businesses or just your run of the mill person, you or me, that there here are the limitations of what this can do. We can we can right. mitigate those limitations, but we need more data to do it. But yes, let's let's not let's not get it twisted. We still aren't able, we're not going to be able to deliver on that promise without your data. And we want to right. take continue to use your data, period. And, mm-hmm. you know, it shouldn't take uh, GDPR regulations and all this other nonsense to make them do this. And I, and, and for, and for the, but, and for the most part, I think they, they've done a better job. Google's done a better job, I think, than most. But, um, you know, Facebook is probably, done an okay job they're you know they kind of get a bad rep a bad rap um amazon's the worst um but you know we can tangibly see the benefit of doing so so they need to they need to continue to weave that narrative so that they can get their buy-in man because they're going to need that buy-in if they're going to continue to push the frontiers of ai and and change it from and and really kind of move it out of this hype cycle and move it into something like hey this is AI. This is how we will bring we will bring you AGI or whatever some whatever form of hybrid intelligence. You know, think of it as the autonomous vehicle level five driving uh, uh, of of AI will actually be AGI. But in order to get there, we need your data, and we need to work with you to be like, hey, this is the product we're offering. And for that product, we need your data and make it and you know what something transactional. Maybe. And here's our vision. And and perhaps the the solution is like what we discussed last week is treating data as a commodity that can be traded, right? Okay, yeah. you're going to opt in. We're going to compensate you this way for however much data you provide or how you provide it or whatever, you know. And maybe that's the way that they have to go to say, okay, we're going to you know we're going to legitimize this by monetizing it somehow for you know for the the source of the data yeah and it's funny because i I believe google has been better at it at articulating that they've been articulating that for a decade um i just think that everybody gets really really swept up in um like the privacy thing right it's like this boogeyman it's like perpetual boogeyman about all technology particularly now that people feel less empowered Right. They feel like they're being suppressed or manipulated or, or which they are. But I mean, it, 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 you know, but that's but then blame all of advertisement advertising as a as a as an industry for all of human history. Um, if you hate that type of stuff, um, just don't, don't don't hate on the fact of, you know, these guys are being are using this data to either manipulate you or to convince you to do X, Y, Z. Don't get mad now that they're it's scaled and much more automated. Um, but be right. open with them about the fact that that's what we do, right? Like the Cambridge Analytica thing isn't strictly, re- if you really look at it, it really isn't strictly Facebook's fault. Facebook gave the data to a research scientist who subsequently then gave it to Cambridge Analytica. Like we always ignore that when mm-hmm. we talk, when we, when we talk, when we want to demonize a company because they're doing bad things and they're too big. And so, yeah, I, I you know, this the, AI is the promise we just need to be a lot more transparent and open from academia to the tech press 
to the companies themselves about here's how we'll get there. And it's and if you don't like this train and, you, and yes, here's a here's a here's here's your ticket. We're going to stop at this stop. You can get off at this stop. But like if we're moving toward that future, then, you know, if we're moving, if we're moving toward that point star, if the vectors toward that point star, then, you know, we need to explain to the people who are ultimately our customers and our commodity. This is what we intend on doing to get there. And it's going to take, you know, some privacy, uh, quote unquote, violations. So just be open right. about it or 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 concessions. I mean, or concession. That's what? a better that's a better term, I think, <laughs> than whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, idealism and 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 these yeah, and people's kind of unrealistic expectations. Um, so yet another one of these generate this generation's. Uh, tech IPOs is going public. Um, we don't know when, when yet, but it's WeWork or the We Company. Um, so the, they released an S1 this week uh, for their filing for an IPO. And if you kind of dig into their S1, and particularly uh, The Verge has a snarky but pretty good breakdown of what the S1, of what this author interprets from the S1. I have read pieces and portions of the S1 particularly the financials, um, here's the deal. They're hemorrhaging cash. Um, they're losing money every year. Um, they, uh, they are, for all intents and purposes, uh, a real estate company. It's like this. They're an integrated real estate company built around a lifestyle brand. And let me explain. So they have these other, th- other kind of verticals within the We Company. There's We Grow, which is kind of a wellness thing, and that's kind of on-site wellness they have we uh, we as a, yeah we grow. There's we school, which is kind of like daycare and on sites um, for some of their uh, their their leased locations. Uh, it's kind of like daycare and or schooling. That if you're a single mother, single father, whatever, and you want to do work in these work co working spaces, which is basically what we work does. It just basically uses uh, co working spaces as a service. It's a it's a delivery platform for that um what was your uh, analogy there gary it was like the azure for it's kind of yeah it's kind of like the the physical manifestation of the azure paradigm right yes. where y- you need a pop-up workspace for a couple days or whatever okay you got it you dispose of it moving on give it to someone else so it's kind of like it, this more the way i see it this more kind of fragmented piecemeal kind of life that you can just put Lego pieces together the way that fit for you um, without long-term commitments necessarily or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so like they have all these verticals that are just integrating this into just this lifestyle, right? So like you can, yeah, you can drop your kids off while you knock out some work, conference spaces, they, they, they give conferences. Um, they, uh, they you know provide workspaces and workstations and um, they you know they you know you can you can they feed you and stuff like that and it's all part of this kind of integrated service where I mean their 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 vision is like they want to build community they want to do that they it's kind of that feel good story that most of these ideals yeah. like to like to give you so uh, as cynical uh, as cynical as the tech press has been this company is doing two things uh, that a lot of IPOs like Uber and Lyft have done in the past and that's basically they're con- you know using technology to combine the real world and the virtual world and this is truly the apotheosis of like mo- a millennial IPO 
it's it's feel good, right? If you you know, yeah, this company is just a pie in the sky concept that moves more on feeling and heart than on hard numbers and facts. Um, I equate it to uh, Sweet Green, which is basically a chief example of this type of company, where all they're selling is salads, really nice salads, <laughs> I might add, but salads. <laughs> but like they they throw enough tech in there, right? Because you can order online, you can order when you get in there. They're trying to, and I read this once from an article in Inc. Magazine, they want to be a, a lifestyle brand and a platform, <laughs> right? They want to make health and wellness a platform by like how you eat and stuff like that. It, it like they were trying to do like a, uh, trying to get you to understand your microbiome. It's like, that's beside the point. But the simple fact of the matter is like, it's a lifestyle band that utilizes technology as a platform to facilitate customer relationships in meat space in the real world. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's what we work is attempting. Um, 40, I, I think from, if you break out their S one, like 40% of the company's like uh, lease ease, if I'm using it correctly, um, are like kind of big tech firms that just need like to like, surge for space as they grow um the company loses um an s ton of money a year a year uh-huh. um i think uh what is it i think they lost 1.9 billion last year Jeez. if i'm looking at their i mean i'm trying to look at their numbers right now all right all right all right yes yeah okay yes so for an aggregate for like yes for 2018 they have lost. They lost one point nine two seven billion dollars. Period. Oh um, they're on pace to. Um, they're on pace to lose at least that this year. <laughs> so they're they're, um, they're the they're, first six months of the year. They they they're just well putting, the first six months of the year they've made. They're just putting all their eggs in one basket. They're it's like putting all your money on black or something, and you know. You, you, how, how do you trust that this lifestyle thing is going to catch on, which is, it's not even in place right now. I don't see people flocking to live this way or to work this way. Do you? I mean. Um, I don't in the sense that there are other, lots of universities actually Actually, the University of New Mexico, along with the Central New Mexico uh, College of Central New Mexico, actually do have these co-working spaces that exist. I, I should know. I did a boot camp once. And yeah, like it's a it's a trend. Um, I think they just they're just uh, benefiting from this network effect that like, everyone knows we work mm. as, a, as 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 co-working spaces. They're branded buildings and stuff like that. They're just a real estate investment trust. That sublets lease sublets out. That's right. what they do. Right. Um, and so that's that's not a terribly innovative model. What's innov- the only innovation is like they definitely data is the chief component of how a lot of these businesses are driven. They can look at trend analysis and data. They can look at that data and they can build around that data like the the co working space that would be appealing to a millennial crowd. Right. It's it's all about the feels and the story for the millennial crowd. It, again, idealistic. And so, kind of expectations. It's very idealistic. It, yeah, right. These 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 very outweighed out expectations of, that are not based on what real world stuff goes on here. So, 
here's the deal. If you dig deep into their S1, if when this IPO closes, they get another $6 billion from this consortium of financial institutions. SoftBank has given them stupid amounts of money. Um, they hold they they hold a lot of real estate assets. Um, I think they after the IPO, I think they'll raise about one billion or two billion dollars or something like that, based on devaluation, which we we don't formally have yet. We don't have the pricing yet. The S one is just the first step in that process. Um, they have enough runway to maybe make this work, right? Because I mean, the other verticals they have is like hotels and living spaces within these co working spaces as well. Mm. Um, particularly in a lot of urban locations, right? So, like they're uh, they're they're trying to be this vertical lifestyle brand for entrepreneurs and um, knowledge workers and, and and people who are used to working in mobile locations. I mean, they're they're kind of taking the Starbucks effect and are just like, well, maybe we can bring these guys under the same roof. Yeah, and maybe we can force force collaboration. Maybe we can contribute to collaboration within these working spaces. Um, I mean, they have like a hundred and they're in 111 cities. Um, they have, uh, God, how many assets they have? I think it's, it's some stupid amount of, 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 of working spaces that they have. Um, well, just looking at their revenue, just looking at their Southern California one, I mean, uh, Irvine alone, I'm looking at one little map and within probably, 10 miles, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm seeing nine different buildings, and you, you can't yeah. scroll the map without catching some more. So it's a lot. Right. And then yeah, I think they have 528 locations worldwide. Wow. They have memberships of about 527,000. Uh, I don't know if that's individuals. I don't know if that's, um, I don't know if that's companies plus with, with a headcount. I don't, I don't quite get what that is yet. Uh, I look around in Albuquerque. There's about three or four around here in Albuquerque. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's – I the bigger story here, um, there is no real liberty angle to it. But the bigger story here is maybe they're trying to get ahead of a trend of what the future of the workforce looks like. Maybe. And the future of the workforce, I think, looks like – and I war game this with a friend of mine yesterday with a phone conversation when he was kind of asking, like, where are things going? Right. Because he always kind of asked me those questions. And I'm just like, let's think about it this way. So you have these companies like Scale AI and Cloud Factory and stuff. See, a lot of what those guys do for their data annotation is they actually kind of put that stuff out to bed. And then like a freelancer can come in and label training data. Right. So that's one job one can do. You've always had Mechanical Turk for certain things. You've always had Odesk for certain things. You have these gig. You can build a. You can build a. I wouldn't say a career, but let's just say a career as a freelancer in the gig economy, and not have your own working space. I mean, you know, you can do that during the day. You can Uber and Lyft at night. You can bartend. You can do whatever. You can piecemeal together a working life. Yeah, that doesn't require you to take on all of the overhead of buying an apartment, buying a house. You know, so if you look at Airbnb, if you look at Uber, if you look at WeWork, these are all services that are at that are you can call up on command to yeah. do what you need to do. Right. Um. So 
they are betting that in the future, not only will you get uh, you know rideshare as a service, software as a service, uh, you will get space as a service. Right. You will get apartments as a service. You will get all these things will piecemeal together to create a, a future worker, freelance worker, who thrives off of this type of, I mean, to me, it seems like chaos to manage it. And maybe there might be companies out there in the future that aggregate this as a service. So a service on top of all the as a service services that helps you run your life <laughs> i don't know it's interesting to watch and, <laughs> and you know seeing how these companies kind of adjust the human interface to the working yeah. world or the living world or whatever yeah. it is you know it's kind of it, it it's interesting to see their take on it. it it's very foreign to me of course you know i'm yes much, it's foreign to me as well i mean i mean i'm not much I'm not much younger than you, right? right? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I go, I get up, I go to an office every day. I, granted, I work for, I for pseudo work for the government, so that's always the way it works, right? But, you know, um, I don't see, uh, yeah. If you're working for a big company right now and working for big companies in the future, going forward, you're still going to need to, you know, pack lunch, get in your car, even if it's an Uber or a self-driving car, and get to the, get your ass into the office, right? Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm never gonna live that way. Yeah. Um, maybe in the future, I don't know. Maybe if my my future business endeavors allow me the flexibility to do so, maybe I'll do so. Right. But I mean, you know, looking at my current home office situation right now, I mean, I, I don't want to hang out in here right now. It's hot as it's hot, and you know, because I've had to kind of um, have all of the stuff around me like to like mitigate some of my background noise, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to work in this place. I mean, my chair is old and uncomfortable. My screen is crapping out on me. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to work at home. I mean, I... <laughs> right, I so, I don't know. That's, that's kind of the reason why I need to probably step my office game, my my home office game up just a tad bit. But, all right, well, we work. We don't know when they'll go public um, as of yet. I, I, I don't know. I didn't read through it. Um, they, you know, this, this Verge article really, you know, craps all over like the found, the co-founders and stuff like that. I've seen articles that even kind of, um, equates their S1 and it's, it's wording as a cult, a document for a cult. Mm. Um, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, but so is CrossFit, but like people love it. So people, it's like, these people talk down on cults, but other than the fact that like occasionally it becomes murderous and terrible, um, cults are nothing more than just building a following of people who la- la- who have now who have uh, internalized your story. Yeah, I think cult is not the correct word for most of it. Yeah. I mean, there's a yeah, there's, not, yeah, right, right. From a social science standpoint, yeah. cult has a very clear meaning, and and it goes beyond a lot of you know just common you know, finding common ground with other people, but you yeah. know, so maybe cults, not really the bad, not the good word. I think it's used, you know, maybe here as th- there's a, a clear negative connotation that they're trying to project and using that language, you know, definitely triggers that. Honestly, mm-hmm. I look at it this way. You know, if, if this is something that is going to be really truly the, the future of work and the future of living, whatever, and if people latch onto it and that's the way they want to live, more power to them. As long as they're not hurting me, I don't care. 
you know. That's the Liberty Angle. You found it, Gary. Uh, <laughs> there we go. All right. So, well, that's uh, that was that was that, that was a lot more interesting than I than it than it should have been. Um, it, it's just it's just a company. It's just a it's just a money losing concern going public. Right. Uh, yeah, this is you know this. Is, I don't this think is, I'm going to invest this in is, it. This but. is the tech market. I this is a tech market. Tech IPO market 2019. It's nothing new. Yeah. All right. Well, this one. Uh, this is sweet. Schattenfreude. Uh, let me drink. Let me <laughs> sip on some of the tears here. Mm-hmm. Ah, salty. Google's hate speech detecting AI is biased against black people. I. <laughs> Love this story. <laughs> so let me give you some cult- cultural um, cultural background on this. If most of my if most of our six listeners don't know, I am African American, um, and uh, yeah, if you've ever listened to a conversation between me and my homeboys when I go home and the kids ain't around. There's some hate speech flying around. <laughs> and um, this is kind of what we were discussing in, in yeah, previous episodes about trying to programmatically uh, sanitize human interaction using what we're now learned are very flawed machine learning algorithms. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's, 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 let's go back. So back in June... <clears throat> A, uh, a, uh, a former, a current Google engineer had, per- uh, had surfaced a lot of documents via document dump about all their internal um, deliberations and processes to get rid of, to address areas of unconscious bias and algorithmic unfairness and stuff like that. And like, you know, it was really interesting to look at the, a lot of their internal documents and kind of internal presentations about how they really, really, truly are trying to address these issues but like i think from the wrong perspective so this came out uh, from project veritas uh they they exposed this and it had the right-wing media at the time going uh uh back guano um but you know it's it came from a very imperfect messenger in the former project veritas which everyone hates um but um it does confirm what we've kind of known to be true, and that is that there are people under the roof of a lot of these larger companies, in this instance, it's Google, trying to sanitize our communication and bend it toward a progressive kind of leftist worldview of how communications and speech between people should be. Mm-hmm. So that said, if we go to the article, um, so... Uh, the artificial intelligence algorithm meant to detect and moderate hate speech online, including uh, the al- uh, the perspective algorithm built by Google, uh, have built-in biases against black people. You're just not white enough. And, uh, you need to be more white. Yeah, they're definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I need to get more white and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, so scientists from the University of Washington found an alarming anti-black bias in the AI tools that are supposed to, pr- to protect marginalized communities from online abuse. Um, demonstrating how a well-intentioned attempt to make the internet safer could discriminate against already marginalized communities. <laughs> Cluck a duck. <laughs> uh, so, like, so what? It, so, basically, this. Uh, so, a group of researchers. Uh, this is talking about that uh, that perspective algorithm. 
Um, a group of researchers have found that simple changes in sentences and its structure can fool AI's perspective AI making for detecting toxic comments in hate speech um, difficult. Here's the deal, right? So they implemented this perspective AI that it had already been gamed because if you take the F word and throw love in after F or whatever, something like that, you could basically like, you know, you could you could fool the algorithm to change the score. And so now <laughs> the very people that they're trying to protect, right, which I find it increasingly offensive every time the African-American community is lumped in with marginalized communities. I think it infantilizes us, but I digress. Um, they built this algorithm to, like, do this, and, like, they tend to not understand that they didn't understand, I think, all the cultural nuances of communications within African-American communities. Right. Again, it's not PG-13 stuff. When I'm talking to my friends. Sure. There's some N-words dropped. There's some F-words dropped. There's some, there's a lot of, it's different. So this is like the scientists examined how humans had annotated a database of over 100,000 tweets that had been used to train, see, going back to our first story, Mm -hmm. the anti-hate speech algorithm. Again, we're concerned about how these things are being um, labeled. Um, they found that people responsible for labeling, whether or not a tweet was toxic, again, probably a lot of snowflake millennials that don't like harsh words, um, tended to flag tweets written in African-American vernacular English as offensive. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Ebonics. Nope. Um, (laughs) a a bias that then propagated down into the algorithms themselves. The team concerned confirmed that the bias by training several AI systems on the database, finding that the algorithm associated with, oh, I like how they created, they made they made uh, African-American vernacular English a acronym of A-A-V-E. Oh, great. With hate speech. Great. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. I, how many times have we discussed this? <laughs> and how, it's like this, based on the Project Veritas leak from June, and um, subsequently, now that uh, that uh, Google engineer, who is obviously now not employed with Google anymore, uh, his name is uh, Zachary Voorhees, so he's no longer like anonymous, um, who surfaced all these documents, um, basically confirms what we were saying. Like you're trying to you're trying to change search results and other areas that uh, that are customer facing, and you're trying to pull out uh, unconscious bias. You're trying to sanitize hate speech. You're trying to do a lot of things where, I mean, so, I mean, how are they handling, like, speech between, like, Hispanics or Puerto Ricans? Right. Like, I've grown up, I've grown up around all these ethnic groups. Within each of the ethnic groups, there is a vernacular English that some may find offensive. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, even in my own family, you know, we'll hang out and, uh, like... (laughs) I, the way I put it, you know, if I look at a video from any type of family gathering that I've had, you know, where we get deep into our our uh, thing, if you want to call it that, it's like the most embarrassing white people thing you've ever seen in your life, right? We just, yeah. it's totally different. 
then you know what you're talking about you know my my sister is married to a puerto rican guy and the machismo and the the stuff that goes on in that family works for them but to me i may see it as you know offensive towards women or something along that lines does that mean it's wrong does that mean it doesn't work for them that's their call that's not mine to make exactly um you know and and it's it's funny because again to go back to our first story about the bloom being off the rose is like we need from a societal standpoint not just because we want to make sure we sanitize the world for unconscious bias and algorithmic unfairness but like we need to be very very careful about how we implement these things Mm -hmm. Because the, the because the solution might be worse than the problem. Well, you're denying people and, their um, own their own culture. You're denying them their humanity. You're you're basically telling them you're not worthy of consideration. <laughs> the way that it, you were brought funny, up, yeah, you know. Yeah, because it's funny because who are the people who annotated these tweets? Were some of them African-American or were not enough of them African-American? Mm. Or should you have specifically gone out and and gone to each of the ethnic communities or, 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 or social economic communities and, and have them label these tweets and data? So that at the very least, the algorithm or the machine learning algorithm had different annotations for the same data so that we, if it could then learn and correlate that maybe, just maybe, me calling my, my homeboy the N-word isn't necessarily hate speech, but a term of endearment. Right. Granted, it's one that I've, I've, I've tried to mitigate through the years because, you know, I'm a grown man. I can't be talking like that. But, man, come on, man. You go, that's like I go home, I start speaking Geechee. You know, my English. You know, I, I don't, I'm not properly enunciating words. I'm speaking like I speak back home. And actually, the funny thing about it is, too, particularly around Southern women, is like speech between Southern women, not particularly African-Americans, more more white, um, they can be cutting each other to shreds and be saying it in the nicest possible way. Oh, absolutely. And how do you train an algorithm for that? God bless her heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, mean, yeah, basically, that means that B is crazy or That's something right. like that. I mean, if you, you, you can't train for that right and you, and and here's the deal I, I don't suspect you'll ever be able to train for that um because these algorithms are so exact how do you so how do you take careful how do you take cultural context into account for that you know, because now you have to know okay who is this person speaking with and in right. what cultural context are they speaking are they speaking in a professional environment or are they speaking in a bar you know these are Correct. these are things that matter to us as human beings but you yes another reason why i believe we're never going to be able to sterilize this thing down to the promise the great promise of ai i don't think we're going to be able to get there exactly i mean and i i i i just find this um i just find this interesting but disturbing at the same time is they don't see a problem with trying to do this because this is their quote unquote right thing to do. Well, it feels good. Like it, well, that it feels good, but it feels good based on a worldview that is completely alien to, I, I would, I would 
positive to say 75% of the country. I would agree. And so, and, and so now, so with that said, now, just to kind of move, this is kind of like moving, not necessarily on from this article, but like something that's kind of tangential to this argument, uh, to this article that we read about, you know, <laughs> the racist, the recursive racism of this uh, algorithm is now get ready this year. Your next job interview may be with an AI robot. So this is an article from um, kind of CNBC. And basically it's breaking down the fact that like uh, in 2007, um, Deloitte uh, reported that 33% of surveyed respondents already use some form of AI in the hiring process to save time and reduce human bias. Mm -hmm. But we just read an article where human bias still still found a way to creep in to the AI algorithm, yep. right? Um, okay, this year, about 38% of Americans will be looking for a new job according to Glassdoor. This is true. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a hot labor market, particularly if you have any skills, any technical skills whatsoever. Right. Um, vocational or technical skills. Um, the number of startups and companies now offer AI recruiting tools. So we're going full speed ahead on this. And we haven't begun to figure out truly, honestly, the implications to this. And it's funny, they're willing to move full speed ahead on this stuff, but we get a lot of Luddites, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, who want to pump the brakes um, on autonomous driving, right? Um, But they're going to deploy these algorithms in hiring, I don't think they truly understand the legal implications of doing that, particularly if these are very black box algorithms, right? Because a lot of these companies that are offering these 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 AI tools don't really let you under the hood to figure out how the tool came to the decision it came to. Right. Now, thank God, in this instance, we kind of knew the data lineage that trained the AI algorithm that basically you that basically instituted recursive racism. <laughs> but in hiring, um, maybe as a vetting process, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I man. see I see there to be a place for it to handle, you know, some of the compliance Lots stuff and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 screen a few things based on some, you know, very primitive Data points. Objective measure, right? Correct. Yeah, objective data points, right? But that once you get in, doesn't necessarily. Re- you start getting into this, you know, how do I feel when I talk to this person? You know, you can't. Yeah. It's not going to. You can't do that. But I do see a place for it. I, in, you know, offloading mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. of the, you know, the compliance stuff. Obviously, when, uh, when hiring, you have to be careful what questions you're asking and making sure that you're asking consistent sets of questions across the board and you know, that sort of thing. And there's a place I think for that, but the human element, mm -mm. nope. Particularly for, particularly for startups, right? Because you have to build a good team. Um, Right. You can't bring a poisonous individual into a team, particularly a startup team, because you don't have the time and money to deal with personality conflicts when you're trying to scale. Correct. Um, and trying to build a product and deliver that product to a customer. Yep. I don't know. Food for thought. Uh, 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 here's the deal. Despite my my apprehension 
based on the fact that like the people who are developing these algorithms have biases. They don't seem to see the fact that the data being labeled has it, it, it can creep in human bias. The fact that they are black box, and the fact that AI is not nearly this panacea that we think it is, we should push full speed ahead. Um, mm-hmm. and, and implementation wherever we can and let the chips fall where they may. And let's find out where we're deficient, right? Let's find out if, you know, the algorithm's racist, so to speak. <laughs> and I don't really think it's, and I don't like necessarily using the word racist. I just I think it just had a blind spot for certain types of communication. And it didn't, it didn't and it won't ever understand that um, without a human um, chaperone, so to speak. Yeah. But, but yeah, man. This I mean, I I understand that this episode has been particularly AI heavy, but here's here's the deal in tech, um, be it AI, be it machine learning, be it the process automation, be it a lot of things. Like a lot of these things are creeping into the meat space, and I use meat as an M E A T, i.e., human space. The human space, yeah. And 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 we're just kind of implementing these things wholeheartedly. And I used to be like, ah, stop your. Stop your belly aching. Let's just put the technology out there and make it happen, right? Now it's starting to have a adverse effect on like things I care about, people I follow, things I, I hold dear, right? And it's a lot of the kind of social justice warrior mentality, a very progressive worldview, a very more nihilistic leftist worldview that kind of you know has a tendency to crap on culture, um, particularly um, traditional culture. As I've gotten older and I'm raising kids and bringing in grandkids and stuff, I, I start to worry about these things. Yep. Um, and and like we we're building it's like this we're building companies based around a lot of feel good stuff that doesn't really center on fact, right? Like I I I I like what we work is trying to do. I appreciate that you that this generation of companies are going to be much more about the feels, and that's important. If you want to build brand loyalty, and as as a as a entre- as a budding entrepreneur myself, that is going to be into the human yeah, is going to be providing a service in the human space. Hopefully, in the next couple of years, you got to understand that, right? I read a lot of demographic, uh, a, a lot of uh, research uh, data, market survey data, and stuff like that. The story is important. Yeah, the feels are important. And on the one hand, they understand. They, they I understand this generation trying to build heart into their products, but then you, you then you can't overly rely on AI to try to implement your vision. Well, of where the world. it crosses that AI line is, is, is a you tool. know, implementing feels is one thing, but uh, I guess lecturing them to people is a completely different thing, and that's where I think it crosses the line for me, anyway. Well, yeah, for us old, old, us old fogies and stuff like that, which I can <laughs> truly say, while I'm not a boomer, I'm more of a Gen Xer. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I feel you, man, and I feel you. Well, that's been, uh, that's been uh, this week in AI ethics, brought to you by Thank You for Your Servers. With that said, we're right around an hour and some change. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up, Gary? No, I'm uh, just looking forward to go jumping in the pool and getting my sweaty self cooled off a little bit here. Oh, it is, and then it is twelve twenty-eight Mountain Standard Time, which means it's time to crack a beer. Unless my wife sends me on an errand first, and then I'll <laughs> go do that. Then I'll go crack a beer. All right. Well, I mean, that's been. Thank you for your service. Thanks for logging in. If you want to follow me, 
Um, I'm mainly on Twitter, at Nick Way, N-I-C-K-W-A-Y-E. And Gary, your handle, please. At Liberty and Bruise. B-R-E-W-S. Yeah, follow us on Twitter if you are uh, members of the Twitter sphere, if you haven't been banned. (laughs) And um, yeah, man, that's been it for us this week. Thank you for logging into Thank You for Your Servers. Goodbye. Ta-ta.